you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, let's turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. We'll start there. We'll end up with the last chapter of Matthew. But uh, what I want to do here for a little bit is you look at your top of your notes. This week and next, we'll wrap up this series, Refuge for the Nations. We started it at, before World Outreach to get your heart ready for World Outreach. But I also like to continue to teach a little bit after World Outreach to remind us that, again, it's not just a once-a-year celebration, but it's a, it's a lifestyle. And so we've looked at the big picture this year. We just kind of took a big picture, and we saw that God's heart for the nations is revealed in His plan for creation and promise of redemption. And we took you all the way back to Genesis 1, 26-28. And then we looked at God's hope for the nations in Genesis 4 through 11, that even though mankind and really all of creation is rebelling against God, He in His common grace and in His great compassion remained faithful to His creation. And we saw that there was hope for all the nations at the end of the rainbow. And then we looked at God's blessings for the nations. And God... Uh, in his wisdom and according to his will, started over in order to redeem humanity and to bring the promised seed. He started over with one individual who was unworthy, who had nothing to offer and commend himself, the man Abraham. Abram at that time was his name. And he took this pagan out of his sin, and said, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to bless you. And in blessing you, you're going to be a blessing to all the nations. And ultimately, you can trace the story of the Old Testament from Genesis 12 all the way to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, that is what all of the rest of history is going to be. The rest of history is the fulfilling of the Abrahamic covenant And God blessing His people through the promised seed, which ultimately became Christ, so that we could be a blessing to the nations. All right? And so, last week, we saw that Jesus, that God's refuge for the nations is revealed in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we just took this look at the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it's amazing, isn't it, that the first verse of the Bible, you're there in Matthew. Look at Matthew 1.1. Look at Matthew 1.1 in your Bibles. And you see that it picks up this idea that Jesus Christ, it says this, the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. So, he takes you back through the covenant with David, that there would be a king that would come, all the way back to the covenant with Abraham, that there would be a seed of Abraham, which even harkens back all the way to the promised seed of a woman in Genesis 3.15. And then Luke's genealogy ends in this way. When Jesus began his when he began his ministry Jesus being as was supposed the son of Joseph because there was this incarnation this virgin birth 
son of Seth, and he just traces it all the way back from Joseph, all the way back to the son of Seth, son of Adam, son of God. And so you see the New Testament begins with that. And so we looked at Jesus's all-inclusive ministry, that even in his ministry on earth, though it was to the Jew first, it didn't exclude. He always had this concern. And we even saw in the greatest place perhaps to see that in the, it was in the compassion of his ministry. It was all-inclusive. It included a demoniac in Gentile Galilee, a Samaritan, a Samaritan leper, a Samaritan woman, a Roman centurion, a Canaanite woman, and even finally Greeks came seeking Jesus. And we said in that process that he didn't ignore the, the Jewish people either. Jewish bad boys like Matthew were reached out to, but also Jewish good boys like Nicodemus, the Pharisee. <coughs> Excuse me. So it didn't matter. Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, young, it, it just didn't matter. Jesus had this strategic interest in all people, men and women, young and old, slave and free, rich and poor, clean, unclean, religious, irreligious, Jew and Gentile. And so if you take your handout that's there in the middle of your tables, I just want you to take a moment and evaluate at your table or, uh, you know, or privately, if, if, if you're in that case, whatever, just I want you to think through. I just want to give you a few minutes today to think through how do you evaluate yourself in the following areas? So if you look at this side of your paper, uh, notice it says how to discuss how do we evaluate ourselves in the following er areas. So is my heart inclusive? In other words, is your heart open to all kinds of people? How would you know that it is or it isn't? Are my prayers inclusive? How would you know? Who do you, who do you typically pray for? Who do you rarely ever pray for? Is my compassion inclusive? How would you know? Is my life mission in ministry this inclusive? How would you know? So I just want to give you like uh, three minutes here to just... Reflect a little bit, talk a little bit, maybe pick one area. Hey, you know what? Here's one area or one step that I need to take to be more inclusive like Jesus was in his ministry. All right, all right. So what What, what do you think? Get, get, just, just toss out maybe one step, one application. What area in this maybe jumps out at you? What question jumps out at you where you move? You can relate to that. And, and that's the thing. See, we, we just, we, and this, it's not bad to be motivated by that which you relate to. I mean, that's just normal. That's just human, right? What's not normal, what is not uh, natural to us is to be concerned about people and things that don't directly relate to us. And so when we begin to get the heart of God, we get concerned about things that may not directly touch us or 
we may not initially see that it touches us, okay? So, so that's a great illustration how what touches you can take you, you know, open your eyes to a broader area, but we want to be even opened more. So I think prayer is a great place to start, and of course you're optimally equipped to do that at our church every week with at least praying for our missionaries, which get your eyes off of yourself and off of even our culture. I think another area is our heart. So think this week. Think last week. Think the coming week. When you see people dressed differently, people who are obviously refugees or obviously immigrants or obviously people out of your social circle, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? What is, is your heart open or is it closed? Is your heart critical or is it compassionate? Okay? And, and believe me, even the most compassionate pe- person in here, it's kind of like what we're talking about with Bill, even the most compassionate person is critical of other people who are not compassionate like they are. And that's not the heart of Jesus. See, Jesus had a heart for everyone. It's really popular today to be for the underprivileged or the outcast and then to be all critical and judgmental and rejecting of the Pharisee or the religious type person. I get so tired of hearing that because that's not Jesus' heart. He reached, you know, he welcomed Nicodemus who came to him at night. And yes, he had harsh words for that. But Jesus had, listen, Jesus has harsh words for anybody that is rejecting him, and yet he has compassion for everyone that's willing to come to him, okay? So it's it just, be careful of that. So check your heart. Now, I told you this has ramifications, because uh, the, probably the most biggest illustration I saw it in our ministry was when we went to Romania, and I won't go through that whole story from last week, but here are these gypsies, this is this gypsy youth leader who is a wonderful human being, and yet the Romanian, the national Romanian believers didn't want to reach out in a permanent relational way. It was okay to take us there. It was okay to go, in a sense, on a missions trip, but it wasn't okay to have that relational, uh, cross that uh, cultural boundary and associate with those who are considered unclean. And so it has ramification, and so we're not going to take a coffee break because we just got started. But here's what I want you to see. Under that evaluation, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. So one application out of all this is, look, you don't have to be a missionary. The idea is not you have to be a missionary. The idea is not that you have to move to the Northeast and live among the refugees like the case bolts that we uh, uh, heard from last week. It's just do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And so I led our grow group to reach out to Richard who uh, Casebolt with Refuge KC who connected us. I guess I have the fun laser there. Connected us with Mahmoud, okay, a Syrian refugee who uh, had to flee Syria to the refugee camp in Jordania, in Jordan, and uh, whose wife died in the camp giving birth to their, their youngest daughter right there. And so here's this single guy who is a seamstress with a severe back problem 
who has been run out of Syria and is here raising these three kids in America. Okay, and did not they lived just not too far from it. So we, we just got to knew, know them now. It, it, and we we tried to extend that even. And uh, it was it was just revolutionary uh, for Dane to uh, come from, uh, you know, Iowa and to actually connect. I mean, it really, you know, changed his heart and changed his attitude. And uh, the Glopfelties had him over in their home for a couple holidays. Gwen and I took Mahmoud to his chiropractor appointments and to get some. And then that whenever you take uh, people in this predicament where they can't drive and they're in another country, anything you do, they do all their errands then. And they, you know, they ask to do their other errands with you. And so we're going now we're going to to uh, uh, some uh ethnic store to get something that we can't you know he can't speak english and we don't speak syrian or arabic or whatever it is that he he's speaking and it's just a long day of uh trying to help him out and so we did that several times um so do for one what you wish you could do for everyone there's ways to get started in this but here's the reality doing for one What you wish you could do for everyone isn't going to reach the world and it isn't going to enable us to be a refuge for all the nations. And so we're going to move from Jesus's all-inclusive ministry to Jesus's all-inclusive method. And so that's what I want you to see. The second point today is there was an all-inclusive method doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone is addition. And there needs to be a method of multiplication. And that's what Jesus did. So Jesus did for one. I took you through a bunch of those individuals who came into his path. And like the good Samaritan, Jesus showed compassion. And that's what I'm trying to get you to do. As God brings people in your path, and as you open your heart and open your eyes, that you show that compassion. But understand, it also takes an inclusive method. Jesus' method was a wise, strategic focus on multiplication. That's the key. It was a wise, strategic focus. Focus on multiplication because by by initiating his global mission with a few disciples among the Hebrew people. So he started again with God's chosen people. He started with 12 Jewish men. But his goal was to multiply that and be a refuge for all nations. So let me take you to so turn your bibles john 17:4 john 17:4 and i want to show you that jesus accomplished two works during his earthly ministry the one we think about the most is going to the cross and the work of redemption which of course is critical to everything but he accomplished another work. So look at John 17, 4, and look at what it says in your Bibles. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you have given me to do. So think about John 17. First of all, he's talking about, I have glorified you on earth. So he's talking about his earthly ministry. 
And then think about where John 17 is. He hasn't gone to the cross yet. So he hasn't finished his ultimate work on earth of dying for the sins of the world and raising, uh, from, rising from the dead. So what was the work Jesus finished before he went to the cross to finish the work of redemption? So that's what you want to ask. Now, there's different interpretations of this. There's, there's some great uh, biblical scholars that would say, well, he's looking still forward to his, his work of, of redemption. And so, you know, that's, that, you could say that, that. But when you look through the prayer of John 17, Jesus is very definite. You know, like he says, I'm praying for them. Uh, not that you take them out of the world, but they stay in the world. I'm praying for them, and not them only, but also those who will come. He's very definite about making these distinctions. So I think, when you look at this, he's not talking about the work of the cross. What he's talking about is the work of discipling and reproducing himself in 12 men. You see, it's not just salvation to save individuals, but multiplication to reach every people group. The work that he accomplished on earth was not just salvation on the cross to save individuals, but multiplication to reach every people group. And it wasn't just salvation by addition, this Samaritan woman and this Canaanite woman and this uh, Samaritan leper. It was not just salvation by addition, but multiplication by transformation. And so I want to show you this video. Take a look at this. Ever wondered why Jesus' last command to his committed followers was to make disciples of all nations? Have you ever wondered what it would look like if Christ's most committed followers today actually carried forth that command according to the standards set forth in the New Testament by Christ in the Twelve? If an evangelist were to reach a thousand people a day for Christ in a frozen population rate, can you imagine how long it would take to reach the world for Jesus Christ? Just over 15,000 years. And imagine the spiritual maturity of these new converts, most of whom receive no real follow-up or discipleship and end up never reaching their full potential in Christ. However, if a committed follower of Christ, we'll call him Paul, were to disciple a new believer for one year, we'll call him Timothy, to the extent that Timothy matures in Christ until he is able to disciple another. For as Luke 6.40 says, the student will become like his teacher. So then, in year two, Timothy has become a disciple himself and takes on his first student while Paul takes on another student. By the third year, our Paul is discipling his third student while our Timothy is discipling his second student and our newest student is now able to make disciples as well. If the cycle is not broken, a spiritual downline is created which multiplies to the ends of the earth. Even at an accurate and growing population rate, do you know how long it would take in such a scenario to reach the entire world for Jesus Christ? Just under 37 years. And now imagine the spiritual maturity of these believers, all of whom have been equipped to both be and to make disciples of Jesus Christ.
This is why Christ's last command to his followers is not to make converts, but to make disciples of all nations. All right. That was his method. That was his all-inclusive method. So he had an all-inclusive ministry where he did for one, which that he desired to do for everyone, but he also had an all-inclusive method. And Mitch talked about the need for that when he was down here last week or two weeks ago in the New Life class. Here He talked about how in Africa there's been great evangelization, but there hasn't been this method of discipleship and multiplication. Well... Jesus not only modeled that kind of inclusive ministry, and he not only modeled that uh, kind of inclusive method, but the third thing I want you to see today is that Jesus had an all-inclusive mandate for us to continue his ministry. And so what I want you to see is Jesus' mandate gives us strategic authority. So he had a strategic interest in Gentiles and not just Jews in his ministry. He had a strategic focus on multiplication, and that was his method. But also, he gave us strategic authority to faithfully pursue the finishable task of a church planning movement of baptized, obedient disciples, who multiplied disciples in their people group to go make disciples in every people group. And, of course, that is localized in what we call the Great Commission. So if you want to turn your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Matthew 28. We'll get there. But here's what I want you to see. When I say a mandate, typically we call this the Great Commission. And we think of it as a command, go, make disciples. And it is a command. But I like this terminology of mandate because it kind of, it, it captures the essence of what's really going on there. So let's read this definition. It's in your notes. Here's what a mandate is. To live under a mandate is to be entrusted with a task of lasting significance. Mandates are not simply commands. They are that, but they're much more. By direct commands, we assign small errands or daily chores. Do this, tar- you know, kind of like a, a task, a, a, a daily chores, daily task list. I can mark that off. A mandate, on the other hand, releases authority and responsibility to pursue endeavors of historic importance. In other words, it releases you. It gives, it releases authority and responsibility. And I think you have those blanks in your notes. Releases authority and responsibility to pursue endeavors of historic importance. God has entrusted Christ and with him to the church an all-inclusive mandate to fulfill his purpose for all of history. In other words, we are to be, we have a mandate to be a refuge to the nations. Now, this idea of mandate, here's a great illustration. Ignore the politics of it. It's not, I'm not asking whether you, you're pro or anti-political uh, party, but this uh, political cartoon came out after uh, Obama was elected president. And uh, it was, he had a mandate. Every president wants a mandate, not a small margin. They want this overwhelming mandate. We believe in you. 
we believe in what you're doing, now go do it. Okay? And it's like, and so he's, you know, here he is, little guy, little desk, further discussion. Why? Because I have the people's mandate. And that's the way the Great Commission is. The Great Commission is, look, you have a mandate from the risen Lord who has all authority in heaven and on earth to go do this. You're released. You go. You know, and so it's not just a little thing to mark off and fit into your day. It's your whole life. It's your mandate. And so that mandate is summed up in five commissions, and they're found, and each one has a different emphasis, but they're all inclusive. So here's what I want you to do is take the other side of this handout, okay, and on this handout is listed all five of the great commissions or all five uh, communi- uh, uh, revelations of this mandate. And so at your table, I want you to look through these. Don't take a lot of time. We're not trying to uh, diagram each sentence. Just go through there and find the di- look, read them and see what are the different emphasis and how does each one point to an all-inclusive mission or mandate to be a refuge to the nations, all right? And so, let's see, we got, uh, yeah, we got one, two, three, four, we got, okay. So, like, uh, you guys, why don't you guys concentrate on the first one, okay? Concentrate on the first one. You guys concentrate on Luke 24. You guys concentrate on Acts 1-8. And uh, you guys concentrate on John 20, okay? And 21 through 23, and you can do Matthew 28, because you guys look like you can handle that, okay? So, you can look at all of them, but I want you, you know, each place where I assign, focus on at least one of these. So, look for, where's the all-inclusive nature of it? You know, what tells us that we're a refuge for all peoples? All right, so here's the Great Commission's. The, the Matthew 28 is technically the Great Commission, but here's the, the all-inclusive mandate. So, Mark 16. What do you guys see in Mark 16 that's inclusive? All the world and all creation. All the world and all creation. Does that cover about everybody? That pretty much covers everybody. Mark 16, 15 through 16. And Jesus said to them, go into, read the white, and preach the gospel to... He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who disbelieved shall be condemned. And so this is a reminder, too, that there's good news and bad news for the nations. Okay? What about Luke 24? What did you guys find there? All the nations. Any other insights? Starting in Jerusalem, yeah. You shall be beginning in Jerusalem. And, of course, Luke and Acts are two parts of the same story. And so where does, it, where does the Great Commission or the mandate, the all-inclusive mandate, show up? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. What? Read that. Read it together. Acts 1.8. Go to 1A. Okay, you want to do this one? We'll do this one. And Jesus said to him, Thus is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance 
for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. Yes, beginning with Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of the Father upon you, but you stay in that city until you receive power on high. And we'll talk more about this next week. We cannot do this apart from the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses... All right, now, John 20, 21 through 23. What did you guys see there? Yes, okay, so again, you see this idea that there will be those who are forgiven and those who are not. It depends on how they respond to the message. But notice, of any... Of any. it's That's inclusive. It's of any. It's not determined by your uh, ethnicity. It's not determined by your gender. It's not determined by your social status. And of course, we have Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So read that. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, what? Has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. And lo, I am with you. Yes. And so that's why it's the Great Commission. Because it is the one that is most all-inclusive and all-encompassing. And you see in there four alls. And so I want you to just take a look at the four alls. The first one is all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven on and in heaven and on earth. How much authority was Jesus given to exercise? All. How far does it extend? In heaven and on earth. Does that cover everywhere? Is anything excluded from his authority? No. What does this authority enable Jesus to do? Well, in Revelation 5, we know, enables him to call out of every people group, every tribe, every nation, a people for himself. We have all, we all have the king's permission to go and make disciples. So here's what I want you to think about for this all. Is there any place that you work, travel, or play that isn't under the authority of Christ? Is there any place that you work, travel, play, or live that you don't have authority and you don't have a mandate to be a witness? And you, you Parents, you need to be communicating this by your life, but also to your kids that, hey, we, we have authority. You know, and, and, and even us right here, as workers... Do we, we need to be wise as serpents, so we don't go out and do anything foolish, totally foolish. But And we need to be innocent as doves. We need to do what is right. But listen, we, need, we have authority to preach the gospel. We have authority to be witnesses, even if the workplace says no, even if school says no. 
You say, well, does God really want us to get into that kind of conflict? Well, come back next week and we'll see. Indeed, the church did face those kind of conflicts. Am I going to obey God or man? The second all that you see here is the all of all people. Go make disciples of all nations, people groups. What do you think of when you read, when you read the phrase all nations? We tend to think of lines on a map. We tend to think of nations, Spain, Germany, United States, Mexico. But actually the word there refers not just to nations, but to actual people groups that are within nations. All right, And so you don't want to just think, you know, when we send a missionary uh, like to Germany. Okay, so we have two missionaries, or we have one missionary in Germany, and then we, we uh, 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 encourage the McAllisters in Germany. But they're reaching two different people groups. In fact, Keith Gandy is reaching two different people groups within his ministry, both Germans and Muslim refugees. The McAllisters are in Germany to reach specifically refugees, Muslim refugees that are now staying in Germany. So, is there any people group that is unworthy of being reached or written off as unreachable? No. You say, well, is that important? Yeah, remember our Romanian friends, godly people? Remember Jonah? Right? So, you know, before we get too judgmental or criticize others, we got to realize there's no people group. Even our own national enemies, even terrorists. Paul was, in a sense, a terrorist, killing people, killing God's people. And yet God reached out to him. And then teaching them all that I have commanded. Which is easier to transfer, knowledge or transformation for obedience? Is it easier to pass on knowledge or life change? Knowledge, right? And so then we default to that. But the goal is not just to pass on knowledge. The goal is to reproduce people who obey all that Jesus commanded. Now, to do that, what does that say about us? What should we be doing? What? Well, yeah, but to disciple in this way, what do we need to be doing? Obeying all that He commanded. You can't pass on that which you don't do. And so, yes, we do discipleship, but we need to be make sure that we've submitted our lives and we're seeking to know all that He's commanded, which means we're in the Word. And then when we're under the Word, we're listening to the Word, being taught, being preached. But also we're obeying to the Word, obeying the Word. We'll talk more of what that looks like next week in the book of Acts. And then finally, I, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, all of the days. Is Jesus promising His presence to those who are not on mission? I want to end with this idea. When Jesus says, I am with you always, in this context, He's not saying, I'm with you when you're being disobedient. I'm not with you in your apathy. I'm not with you when you have no desire to be on mission and be a refuge. I am with those who are on mission because I am on mission. I am with you always as you are on mission. 
And when you look at Jesus' earthly ministry, this is what he did. Jesus had a mission. He was always had a place to go and, and people to see. And he allowed people to interrupt him. But if they weren't willing to be with him on mission, he didn't stay, stay stop, and coddle them. He stayed on mission. And they either caught up or were left behind. Okay, so, you know, there's other, you know, there's other promises of God's presence with us. I get that. But in this context, what's happening is for those who are on mission. The four alls of the Great Commission. Together, these four alls emphasize the multiplication of an inclusive movement. Jesus' inclusive mandate is to establish a gospel-sharing movement with all authority. Folks, as we enter into the coming years, months, and it could change radically in one year, okay, in God's sovereign purposes. But listen, we have all authority and we need to keep sharing the gospel. We got to keep sharing the gospel. A people group, a people group movement to all peoples. We need to keep focused on all people groups. We can't support missionaries to everyone, but we can be concerned and pray about more than what we do. A disciple-making movement that obeys all of Christ's commands. And finally, a church-planning movement for all times until He comes. And so, next week we'll pick up with this and move into the book of Acts, and we'll finish this series with a church for the nations. But I want you to see this aspect that it grows from me sharing the gospel with people across my path to thinking about people groups that are in other, that are in our city, but are culturally different to a disciple making movement where we reproduce to a church planning movement for all times until he comes. And so that is the mission that is all inclusive. So we will end there with that. Uh, So think about this. Think about those four areas that we just hit on. And I just want you to think, okay, now what, what should my life look like tomorrow? I had somebody, a pastor friend asked the question this week, how do you evaluate Worship service, you know, worship service and what's been accomplished. And that really triggered a lot of thinking in my mind. And I thought, well, one way that we should evaluate our worship is how does it impact and and how are we emphasizing how it should change us on Monday, right? Because worship isn't just one hour and it's not just we gather to scatter. So I want you to think. I'm going to pray here. We're done. But I want you to think. What should I be, you know, how should my life change? What, should, what, what areas do I need to look at so that I'm on mission, even when I'm at work, even when my kids are at school, even when I'm being entertained, and even when I'm doing, you know, just lounging at home? I mean, what, how, how do I need to be on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ? So I hope this encourages you to think on that and analyze. And I can't give each of you an, an answer to that. That's this is the this is the lesson. Now you got to go to the Lord and figure this out, right? Now we're here to help you, and I'm certainly will spend as much time in prayer and discussion to help you with that. But ultimately, this is a question we need to 
ask ourselves. Amen? Let's be on mission to be a refuge for the nations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace, the goodness that you have shown to us. We thank you, Lord, that you came to earth and became one of us to model these things, to show us how it's done. And yet, Lord, we're not in the gospel age right now. We're in the church age. And we don't just walk around in sandals interacting with people one-on-one like you did. We still interact one-on-one, but we're also gathered as a church. And there's a mission for us to accomplish together. We'll talk more about that next week, Lord. But for today, help us to see that we have all authority to be a refuge right here. And we can do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. Lord, help that sink in. And then, Lord, together we can disciple and multiply through evangelism and discipleship and missions to reach all nations and point them to you as that refuge. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.